Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right, so now we're in part two of this series we call Hope for the Future, a family life series. And I'm so excited to have my wife up here, Andrea, and uh, make her feel welcome, would you? Because you, you guys get to see my big old head up here all the time. But I'm really enjoying sitting here with this beautiful lady as we uh, are sharing really a bit of our, our message. And we've been talking about a foundation last week. And so we're, today we're going to talk uh, about marriage, but we're going to just take a portion. So this is really going to be a part two of some of the things that Andrew and I really want to share from our heart. And so as I was praying, and Andrew and I were praying together, God really gave this to me. And, and, and so I want to start with our notes here and how what we are really talking about is building our family on a biblical foundation. Said that last week, of course, but you must build it. When we talk about a biblical foundation, obviously you need to look at the Bible. It needs to be our blueprint. And so to build it with the intention of embracing what the Bible has to say about family. And last week we talked about how our culture is abandoning that wholesale. I mean, it's, it's just being kicked to the curb quite, uh, uh, you know, with a lot of energy. And yet Christians are kind of holding on with a night, white knuckle fist and they're asking questions, okay, what do we do now? Well, there is only one thing we can do, and that is go back to what God told us and to continue to hold on to that. So Andrew and I are going to be sharing about that out of, out of our own lives. And so embracing what the Bible has to say about family. Did you want to say something? Today we're going to talk about marriage. And our marriages are like that picture of the three-stranded cord. Remember that scripture in Ecclesiastes? It talks about the three-stranded cord cannot be easily broken. And Jesus Christ is that third strand, amen, in our marriages. And so when we're talking about a foundation, we have to build a foundation on Jesus Christ. And he is the word, amen? So we're walking in a relationship with Jesus individually, but then our relationship is bound and centered in him. And so that's what we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about, um, just a couple of scriptures that talk about the power of his word, that his word is life. And so we just want to look at that today, that this is not, normally we look at marriage as just two people, but it's, it's Jesus as the center, as the foundation, and that is when it's going to give us a fulfilled, a fruitful relationship, amen, that closeness, that marriage that's going to stand the test of time. So um, David is going to open us in Psalm 119, 105. And so I'm going to read this. So what we're talking about here, you know, a lot of people talk about the Bible being a very important part of their life, but when you really begin to dig in, you find out that people kind of select those things that are important to their life and ignore others. And so what we want to look at is say, we need to have a comprehensive approach. What does the Bible have to say about relationships? What does it have to say about marriage in general? And, and, you know, again, there's no hand slapping, there's no shaming, there's none of that. I just think through love, Andrea and I are going to take us, you know, we're going to take you through some things and just, again, open the bag, say, is there anything in there that you feel like you need? And so where it starts is the Bible. And what is the importance of the Bible? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The whole Bible. It's the word of God, God's words, saying it'll illuminate our path. He'll illuminate where we want to go. He'll show us where we're going. 
so that we don't trip over things, that we don't take the wrong, the, the wrong uh, pathway away from the heart of God. And I encourage you to check out the whole psalm. And it's interesting, Psalm 119 is the exact center of the Bible. And 105, verse 105, is the exact middle verse of the whole Bible. And notice what it's all about, the importance of the Bible. The whole psalm is just beautifully put together. You need to check it out to, to, to enforce the prominence and the power of the Word of God. And then our next verse is Joshua 1, verse 8. For this book of the law always... Um, is that right? For this book of the law should always be on our lips. And notice that is our speech, amen? Mm-hmm. That, that's important. Um, meditate on it day and night. That's in our thinking. That's what we're reading and meditating upon. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So we're not just reading, but we're not just hearing, but we're doing what God has called us to do. Then, it says, you will be prosperous and successful. Isn't that what we want? We want to prosper in every part of our lives. We want to be successful. That's what God wants for us. And um, so his truth should be a part of of our lives. It's like breathing in and out. And it's not a religious thing. It's simply simply life. And when we take his word and, and, and understand it, ask God to open our eyes to it, and then we inculcate it. We, we make it a part of our lives. That's where the truth can be that foundation. Um, and this will change our truth system, amen, our belief system. That's where we need to be uh, changing is going to the Word of God. He can transform our minds. So it's beyond, really, Andrew, being aware of the Bible. It's beyond being even cognizant of its truths. You see, Joshua is really is saying, look, this, this, this law needs to be something that we speak. It's something that we believe, but it's something that we act upon. And that's the, the, the power of the Word of God. I mean, it, it is very powerful, but it only really kicks in when you begin to put faith in it and walk in it, just being aware of it. That's a religious thing, by the way. It's just like, again, when you heard me say that how the, the Lord's Prayer sometimes is used as an incantation, you just kind of speak it, thinking it's going to kind of release some kind of a magical thing. No, 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 no. The Bible was never meant to be used that way. The Bible is the word of God. It is life, as Joshua is saying here. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, not my favorite word, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice, here's... here's, uh, Paul telling Timothy, saying, look, the whole Bible, including what uh, had been written in the Old Testament, but also what was currently being written, and Paul makes reference to that, by the way, to say that this is coming from the heart of God, and it's useful to teach us, to correct us, to train us in what? Righteousness, to becoming like God. So what we're saying here is the Bible is, is prominent, it's important, but it's also very practical and supposed to be put into action for us to experience what Joshua was saying, right? That we would be prosperous and successful, like, like Andrew said. I love the equipping part. It's like when you go out to do anything like rock climbing. I went one time, and, you know, you understand your gear. You understand you're tying the knots, and you, everything is set out for you. And that, that's what the Word of God is for us. It's, as David said, it's practical. And so God has promised us here that he's going to equip us. And that, that's, that's a powerful promise because he doesn't just send us out and say, you know, good luck, hope you Good luck with it. Hope you figure it out. So what we're going to do today, <clears throat> when we talk about marriage, I can't really talk about family and marriage without first talking about authority. 
<clears throat> not only the authority of the Word of God, but the authority of God himself. And the concept of authority as it is played out in human relationships. Absolutely critical. So we're going to get into this, and, and I'm just going to kind of brush up against it. Because to be honest with, with you, the two biggest struggles that I see people in the context of marriage struggle with is what I call abdication and usurpation. Okay, we're going to look at both of these today, and Andrew's going to share, um, we're going to share some practical things with you. But <clears throat> to make the biblical family work, it must begin with a proper understanding of authority. Absolutely. And authority as God being the authority, but who, what God has done to establish authority here on the earth. Has he set things in place? He certainly has. He didn't just create the earth. He didn't just create man. He didn't just create what he created and just turned it loose and just say, okay, have at it. No, no, God set things in order. And when we follow his order, what we call created order, then we will find peace. We will find the kind of a flow that he intended. Now, I'm going to tell you right now before we get into this, this is going to, I mean, this is going to be a plow that's going to cut right across your life. It, it's going to make some of you want to get up and leave. It's going to make some of you want to get him up in my stuff, in my grill. I can handle it. I've been doing that for 30 years, and I've had plenty of people come up and say, don't tell me what to do. I'm saying, not my words. I didn't write this, okay? But these two particular areas, I believe, are the biggest struggles. Authority, as the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, is established by God. All authority, he says. All authority has been established by... And he goes on, Paul says it again, and there is no authority that exists that God has not placed there. Now let that sink in just for a minute, especially for the good, bad, and the ugly when it comes to authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the very curious chapter that Paul addresses and where we find a significant theological establishment of how this whole thing works when, when we talk about relationships, when we talk about men and women, when we talk about marriage. He says, the head of man is Christ and the head of the woman is man. Mm, right? That makes some things go off inside you? Of course it did, because that's not what you read in Cosmo. That's not what you see in that 8 o'clock on television every night. But this is what we're reading in the Bible. And he says, the head of woman is man. Chain of command, as we see, God has established when he talks about the family. He says, the head of man is Christ. He said, I've placed him there. And then the head of the woman, as God, we know, going all the way. And Paul says, look, if you want to argue about this, let's go back to creation. God was not confused in what he set up. He's created the man first, saw that man had a need. He created a helpmate, took the rib, the bone, the, the rib out, said, I'll create a woman, breathes life into her, and says, now she is for you. And she is the glory of man. There's a glory, which is why women are so incredibly beautiful, which is why they reflect a part of God's glory, but they're supposed to reflect and be, which is why men just go head over heels when they see a woman. They know that they're the glory of man. Okay? There's, there's, there's a reason for all of this. It's the way God set it up. Go ahead, honey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think the misunderstanding is that we as women are less of less value. That, that, that's the misunderstanding. But that is not at all true. We are equal in God's eyes. I'm not of any less value than David just because I'm not the authority. But God has called me to follow his lead. God has given him the leadership. As he said, that's, that's what's in the word of God. In Genesis 3, we see that. 
that Adam was given that place. And then Eve was made out of him. Out of his um, body came woman. And I think God did that very specially for a reason, so that we would not necessarily stand side by side, but we would literally, I would be a part of him. And so he made woman out of man. And so I think that it's very freeing for us as wives to understand our place and that we are a helper. We are a helpmate. And one of the most powerful things that, was, that, that I have seen and that I have um, been mentored in is the concept of, of submission, which I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But it's basically in order to, to be um, a helper to David, I, I take all that I am, the strengths and the, the, just who I am, my personality, and, and, I, and I'm offering it to him to make him a success. Because if he's the leader, then I want to be able to support him in that, and I want to be able to help him in that. And, and in that, there is, there's, an incredible, there's incredible fulfillment, incredible joy, and in that way, we're, we're together. Let's fast forward, Andrew. Paul saw that. And what, what is amazing that absolutely blew up society at the time was that Paul came preaching that men and women were one in Christ. That would have been a completely foreign concept. They said, what? No, 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 no. And in that culture, women were considered much lower as servants to be purchased, to be passed around. But Paul comes preaching to say, no, men and women are one in Christ in complete co-equal in the context of heaven. And so that blew everybody's minds. But, he says, but in marriage and here on this planet, his order exists. And when we function the way God created this to be, to be by the way, she's not getting a raise for, uh, for, for doing this, by the way, in case that's what you're wondering. All right? <clears throat> no, we're just sharing out of our hearts here. But see, so anyway, we're going to go, we're going to establish this more. So we need, to get, we need to go ahead and move on. We understand authority in almost every institution but family. Isn't that amazing? Because we understand authority, and in family is where it matters most, to be honest with you, but we understand it with work. We understand it when it comes to the military. Yes, sir. We understand it when it comes to sports team. Got a caption, got a coach. Want to be on the team? You got to listen to what they're telling you to do. Nobody seems to challenge it there. School, got a superintendent, you got a principal, you got a teacher, everybody gets it there. Everybody understands when it comes to government and the police officers, or well, at least most of the time. But family is left without a leader? Question mark? What's up with that? And one is absolutely, when Paul said, you know, God has established all authority, and he said, when it came to family, God put the man in charge, why do we all just throw up our hands and start running for the hills when we hear that? God says, look, you're a team, and I have established the way it's going to, because he, we, we all understand that when you have a team, if you don't have a captain, if you don't have a leader, if you don't have somebody who's, who's setting the pace and is accountable, then there's chaos. On the battlefield in Afghanistan, they understand that right now. But yet, when it comes to family, we just... Throw, it all, throw all that to the wind. I don't understand it, but we do know God has established it, and we should listen. Are we really free to do what we want when we think of freedom, when we think of it? Paul says, yes, of course, but within reason. But not all things that we choose will result in our best, because that seems to be the temptation of the day, is to say, well, look, I'm free to become all that I want to be. Amen. Go for it. Be all that you can be based on your predilections, your skills, your abilities. Amen. Go for it. 
But in the end, we have to make a choice. Is that what's going to bring the best to me in my life? Is it also going to create the best environment for my family and for my children? That's where freedom is a wonderful thing, but you sometimes have to check those freedoms at the door. I mean, am I free to go fishing every day? Yeah. Is that a good thing for my wife and my kids? No. I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice because one thing is better than the other in, in that context. Go ahead. So that's why it begins with a submissive heart to God. We, we all have to submit our, our wills and our lives to God. Amen? Amen? And so the roles that we're called to, I mean, this is a challenge. It goes completely against the grain. And we're going to look at that in Genesis 3, how um, this whole abdication, usurpation. I mean, it, it, it takes just as much submission for David to be the, the spiritual head of our home. You see what I'm saying? Because many times it's so easy to just be like, but and, and, for, and for me, it, I, have to, I have to be submitted to Christ first, first and foremost. My life is not my own. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And then as I submit to him, I'm able to understand what my role is. And so I can submit to my husband. And so th- this, is, this concept of, of humility is, is for all of us. That's sort of the, that's sort of the beginning point. Amen? That we are submitted to, to Jesus Christ. And then um, he's able to move in us by his Holy Spirit to show us how to walk this out. Amen. Scripture there in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What we find that in Christ, obviously there's salvation. But what we find is that he really brings us to ground zero. He really brings us to a place to say, you're redeemed, you've been saved, and now it's time to learn. It's time to grow. It's time, you're now free to understand and embrace truth at another level. Because before Christ, we're in bondage. We're not even free to choose what is right. But now in Christ, we are. Our conscience has been set free. Our will has been set free. We can now begin to look at the word of God with an open heart and start to say and evaluate based on how do I get what Joshua promised? And it all begins with crucifixion. (laughs) It literally does begin with me saying, I have been crucified with him. My will, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, I place on the cross with him. I belong to him. I've been bought with a great price. Now, that may seem like, wow, is that slavery? Is that bondage? Well, look, if you're going to be enslaved to anyone, be enslaved to the king of your heart. Be enslaved. And isn't that what Paul kept on saying? He said, I'm a bond servant for Christ, which really was a slave. And so, in other words, I am giving my heart to God to say, look, I, I give you my soul. I give you my will. I give you my hopes, my dreams, my future. I am crucified with you. If you think of what Jesus had to do to be crucified, he laid it all down, everything. So that's where it begins. So am I, am I still driving on here, honey, or is that, is that you? Yeah, so in, in the family, we see God's team structure. Uh, the he- husband is the coach of the team, the spiritual head of the home, and the wife is the assistant coach, uh, co-heir in Christ and helpmate in positional authority in the covenant of marriage. And that's awesome. Let's talk about the concept of team. Okay. Well, and so obviously that can be something confusing. And, and I share with, with this. And, and over the years as I've been in counseling and, 
and, and have shared with men and women. And I remember this little gal out of Chicago that I was sharing with. And, and uh, excuse my French, when, what, how her response was. But it really, I, I just burst into laughter. Because I shared this all with her. And she goes, so you're saying I need to kiss his butt all the time. And I just looked at her and I burst into laughter. And I said, no, that's not what we're saying. I said, but isn't it interesting that God is wanting to teach you both how to be servants? And so when it comes to a team, obviously, I have to stand before God and give an account, of, account for what's going on inside my home. And ladies, if you want that, it's all yours. But to be honest with you, that is a very, very difficult spot to be in. I'm going to be held accountable for what I am doing as a husband and as a father. On, on every, bit of one of, every bit of that. And so this is where, how, and so this is where we're kind of heading, is how this gets messed up in really two major ways. And the first one is abdication. And I'm sharing on that on here. So what is abdication? That is when a man chooses to not take his place as head for several reasons. Okay? In other words, he just says, well, I don't want to do this. Okay? He, doesn't know, he doesn't know that he needs to. That's one reason. He doesn't want to. It's a willful thing. Or is not allowed to. In other words, he's in a relationship where that's not, there's no team concept. There's just two individuals fighting for control. Okay? And that brings chaos. I'll just be honest. It, it just as it would on a team. Let's give us six quarterbacks on the field. Let's do it. Hey, well, I think we should run the 34 dive. No, I think we should pass. Man, will you guys just do the sweep already? I mean, what a chaos. Umpire comes around and says, you guys want to play football or argue? And that's kind of what families end up being, to be honest with you. This invites dysfunction and malformed understanding of biblical authority for the children because, it's, because they don't see it. They're, they're, they're not watching a created thing. And to, be, and to be honest with you, by design, all of us are asking that question, who loves me and who's in charge? And if we don't feel love, nor do, and, and we don't see the way God created things to be and the sense of authority being played out, it brings us to a place of somewhat of a hopeless, and again, malformed understanding of our role in, in, in life. And so it explains a lot of some of the chaos that we see in, in our culture. So there's no frame of reference. Man struggles because of original sin. So why does man not fit? Why does he abdicate? Why does he give that up? And I'm telling you, on a lot of days, as a, as a husband and father, I do want to say, you know what, I don't want this job anymore. Seven-year-old just spilled stuff all over the house. You know, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in charge. I'd rather just sit around and, and, and just do nothing. But that brings no life. That brings no... So when I abdicate my spiritual responsibility, I'm actually inviting chaos into my home. Okay, so abdication is a real temptation of men. And I just shared why is one, the original sin of laziness. Adam is sitting there watching Eve walk out of the garden and go speak to a, uh, an alien and who was questioning the words of God. Adam is watching. Adam is held to a higher degree of accountability. Why? Because he knows what's going on. Adam was not deceived. Adam was lazy. Adam was sitting there going, man, what's going on over there? Oh, well, see what's on the NFL. <laughs> Laziness, and then, of course, blame shifting. When he was called on the carpet, Adam, what have you allowed? Oh, it was her. So you see what's taking place here 
is a broken part of it. So that's the abdication. Andrea, tell us about usurpation. And the usurpation, we can thank Eve for this, right, ladies? Just joking. Um, this is when we refuse to acknowledge biblical headship in the context of marriage. And it may be that we don't know um, or we weren't shown how to do this or perhaps there's a lack of trust in, um, in the relationship. We don't trust our husbands as the spiritual head. Um, and this also invites dysfunction and chaos into the home. Um, and so back on our point where we were talking about authority, it's like if we don't understand, first of all, God's authority and the, and the foundation of how um, he has established authority, then we're not going to be able to understand our roles um, for the husband and for the wife. And so this is a place where we women have to understand that the deception is a part of the curse that Eve was given, and we all are daughters of Eve. So the, the, the deception when Eve took the fruit and she ate of it, and then, you know, gave it to Adam. And so when we're not properly under authority, there is, there is the, the possibility or the probability of being deceived. And that, so that's why we need to be under, under um, our husband's authority. And also um, when that, in that verse in Genesis 3 when it says she would desire mastery or she would desire, have desire for her husband, what that means is that she would want spiritual authority over him. That was, that's just built in. So that's what we have. It's part of the curse. Part of the curse was that she would continue for the rest of her existence and every woman thereafter Mm -hmm. to struggle with a usurpation Mm -hmm. uh, temptation, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we have to, um, you know, ask God for grace to be able to um, follow his lead and to get you know, allow God to um, give us a heart to, to follow instead of try to take, take that authority um, in the home. I'm just going to say a couple more things, and then, Andrew, you can do, you know, your overall comments. Um, again, what we're doing is we're pointing these two things out as being a part of the curse. They're the things that when we're born into this world that are broken about us. We can, again, we can thank Adam and Eve for this. It is what is a part of the original sin. It's what it is in us. And until it's confronted with truth and we walk in the ways of God, will, will we be able to, guys, for us, that we would not choose to abdicate, whether it's under pressure, whether it's because it's politically correct. Pause for, you know, think effect, right? Politically correct, but that, guys, we look at this and say, okay, this is my watch. This is what God has given to me. This is what God wants of me. This is what he expects of me. And yet I heard a lot of times a lot of men just say, well, I don't know how to spiritually lead. I, I don't even know how to pray for that matter, as, you know, for, you know, as, as well as just knowing how to lead my family and lead them. But it's amazing. When you are made by design to do something, when you already have DNA, skill, like a lot of my kids, they were growing up, they've got, it's, it's unfair how much music they have in their DNA. It's scary. I mean, her, she came from a long line of musicians. I came from a long line of musicians. They're just going to have it. I mean, so my little seven-year-old's over there singing in perfect pitch, and I'm like, okay, whatever. It just, it's in them. So guys, look, you are by design called and anointed to be spiritual leaders. You can't help it. It's the way God made you to be. You just got to start stepping in it. 
the moment you start walking in it, you start to find, wait, you know, I was, I was made for this. I was by design for this. And so, which is why I created Men of Action, to really help men see that, you know what? All you have to do is just build up some spiritual confidence. And again, it's not something that you lord over. It's not something you control because Andrea is equal with me when it comes to the kingdom of God. But when it comes to our marriage, somebody has to be in charge. And God told me it was me. And I need to walk in it. I'm not going to lord it over her. Good. To be honest with you, I'm getting ahead of myself here, Andrea, but to be honest with you, she's better at most things than me. I can let her pretty much run the place. I mean, you can see this about her. She's very confident, very strong. She's got red hair for a reason, all right? But when I walk in my role, and Andrea understands this, so I'm setting you up, honey, so that you, you, know, you can go in that. So go ahead. You, you share. Yeah, so it, it's not a, a thing of competition, and I, I, we see that a lot in marriages, and, and so it, it, I don't see myself as competing with David in any way. I, I see um, that I have my own identity, but the truth is, my identity is so wrapped up in him. I don't know where I begin and where I end and where he starts. And I think, isn't that the goal? Because as I was looking at my notes, I was like, Lord, first of all, it's really hard to sit up here and share with him because he's just, because I, and I was telling somebody this, that I'm, I'm intimidated not by him, but by the gift in him. But you know what? That's okay. It's humbling. And to be up here is stepping out of the waters for me. But I just want to be I just want to be faithful, and I just want to be here for you, especially for my sisters. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I, yeah, and, and I, the whole goal of our marriage is I want to be close to him. I don't want anything to get in the way of our closeness, of our sharing everything together. I mean, talk about a mind meld. I mean, you start, and I know those of you who have been married way longer than us, you know that you, you have each other's thoughts. You have each other's back. You have, you have and, and so... A good example here is how I, I lead from my role. I mean, I have a lot of authority in our home. Um, and David, you know, gives me that freedom. And I think when I recognize his, the place of authority that God has given him, when I recognize that, then I earn his trust. And I earn a place in his heart. And so there have been times when I, God has spoken to me, and I know that I've heard from him, and I'll bring it to him. Sometimes I don't bring it in a good attitude. Other times I do. But anyway, I bring it, and he... No comment. No comment. Thank you. Um, that's right. You can't talk right now. I have the mic. Um, so I've heard from God, and I bring it to him, and he, he may say, I don't see that. And so there's the challenge for me. Because here I am. I've got my own relationship with God. I'm moving and grooving. I've just been fasting. I've been praying, and I heard from God. And I bring it to him. And by the way, I bring it to him because I know God speaks to me through him. That's awesome. That's powerful. He speaks to me, and he speaks to me through his word, but he also speaks to me through him because he's my authority. That's powerful. So um, I feel confident with it, but he's not seeing it. So that's where I have to then trust God. Because remember that in my submitting to him, I'm submitting to, to God. I'm trusting the Lord. And so I have to trust the timing. Maybe the timing is off. Maybe the, the, the packaging is wrong or, or, or there are things that need to be tweaked. I don't know. But all that I can do at that point is trust and just wait and give it. So here I've had my thing. It's a word from God or a decision that I feel like we need to make about finances or whatever. And then I just give it to him. And in that way, I'm, I'm helping him. I'm completing him. I'm, I'm submitting it to him. 
And then I just wait, you know, I wait for the right timing. And, and I've seen it over and over again that the thing that was on my heart, he either God changed his heart or he, or the timing was right and it, and it happened. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And that just builds my faith. And it really earns a place in his heart because when I come, you know, when we come to our husbands, we want to know they're going to, they're going to listen to us and they're going to, we have that place of influence and it's, it's incredibly um, powerful. And I think that um, the story of Abraham and Sarah, when they went into, um, I think it was the Philistines and the king, and he told the king that Sarah was his sister and Sarah was like, what is up with that plan? I mean, this is, this is crazy. I mean, she could have been harmed. There could have been a lot of things that happened because Abraham was, he was afraid, and that's why he did it. But here's, here's Sarah, and she, so she's having to go along with this plan. And she could have pitched a fit, and she could have said, like, no, and walked out. I mean, there's so many things she could have done to fight it. But she trusted. She trusted the Lord, that he was going to bring discipline upon her husband or, you know, bring the situation right. And so then, of course, God heard her heart. But we are a daughter, in Second Peter, it says that we are... Um, we should look to her as our, as our example, that she was willing to, you know, to follow her husband's lead, even as crazy as it was. And so I want to speak to you, if, to you wives, if you feel like your husband is not taking that spiritual leadership in your home, just, first of all, you need to follow. It's hard for two people to lead at the same time. And so you need, if you, if you follow and, and set him up in the good way, then he's able to take that place. But if you, if you're, taking it for him or fighting him or competing with him or who's more spiritual or who's heard from God, you know, it, it's not going to work. So if you want him to be a spiritual leader, then, then follow. And it's, it can be, um, practical, but it, it can also just be very, um, subtle, but I think it, it, it starts in the heart. Um, and then I'm trying to see if I hit everything. Um, well, Andrew, you, you know, one that I was just going to ask you to maybe comment a little on this is that obviously that is the struggle, and even the most godly, spirit-filled, world-changing, you know, wife, kingdom lady, is going to continue to struggle for the, with this from time to time. And so you, you know, th- you were talking about how that is such a temptation and such a challenge. You know, talk a, a little bit more about that. That how what do you go through in your heart? be able to get to that place i mean is there something you know or maybe an example i mean i can share a few but i yeah, want you okay. to kind of think um this is a really practical example but um i um run and for exercise and so i had this particular route that that i was running and i was we were just talking about it one day and he he said to me well i i don't i think that that road is not particularly safe at that particular time of day and so he was just sharing that with me and I heard it, and I was kind of like, well, I can run wherever I want to run. I mean, I'm quick. I can get out of the way. I know what I'm doing. Okay, so this is a really little example, but you hear my heart in it. I'm like, I can do this. I've been doing this for a long time, and so why are you even saying that? Shouldn't you just be complimenting me that I am running? <laughs> and when was the last time you ran? Oh. <laughs> see, where, see where this thing can go? Come on. So I, after that conversation, I just really felt like, you know what? The fact that I'm reacting means that God is, is, there's something that's being pressed. I should be listening up to this. And so I thought, um, I need to change my running route because then, and then the day that I was actually running a different route, the Lord just spoke to me and said, I'm protecting you. 
You know, because God designed men to be defenders and protectors, and they, they're just wired that way. They think that way. They see stuff ahead, and it's like, no, they want to protect those they love, right? And so um, he was just, he, he instinctively had that, plus his, his heart for the Lord. And so I, I listened to it. And it was, you know, in that way, the obedience word. I mean, I'm free to disobey. I'm free to not do what he's telling me to do and just go. But I think God had a blessing in it for me. He did. It's the blessing uh, that comes from obedience and, 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 and realizing that God was in that. He was speaking to me through him. And so I took a different route, and I felt so much better about it. Um, so that's a really easy example. But, and then what, what about those moments when you just really disagree? I mean, I think that's where the heart of it really comes because, you know, I'm my own person. I'm an adult. He's his own person. He's an adult. And so we're looking at a situation with the children, and I'm like, I see it one way, and it's like it's, it's really hard. That's where I just have to, when I'm struggling and I'm fighting against what we're talking about here, I have no life. I, I am sucked dry. There's no creativity. My passion starts to wane. I'm tired. I mean, this happens, right, ladies? <laughs> it, so when you're fighting what God has called us to do, there is no life. And, I, and, I, and so you just keep hitting the wall. Like, why can't I get through this? And then, you know, God just works in my heart. And sometimes it takes days. I mean, come on, let's be honest. And there's struggle. Because we want to say, again, we're not up here like, you know, experts. We, we are on this journey, and we want to do it well. Amen? We want to do it well for a generation, for our children. And, and you know, our marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Amen? So it's one of the most evangelistic um, things that we, that we can be a part of. For the world to see. Anyway, and then we want a marriage that's going to last. And so when there is struggle and there's resentment and there's unforgiveness, they can't last long, you know, and that's when it gets in between us. And it's like, I can't stand this. I can't stand holding on to this thing that's, that's like a big wedge in between us. And so, you know, we're really committed to, to, to really sitting down and communicating, right? Got to take time, put the phone down, turn the TV off and say, I'm just feeling so separated from you right now. I, I, you know, I feel like this, you know, you just talk it out and don't be afraid. And, you know, guys have a listening ear. Amen. You know, have a heart that's ready to receive your wife and, you know, and talk it through. And, and many times there are, what do you call that? Compromises. And there, there are ways to, to work it out. And God is a creative God. You know, he brings creative solutions. If you're committed to the marriage and you're committed to right relationships. You know, Andrew's touched on so many things there. And so speaking to you guys, you know, obviously what God has called us to be is one. He's called us, marriage is oneness. And so it's taking two individuals and making one new person. And you're, I mean, it's, it is a mind meld. It is the heart. And when we have created this individuality and tried to force it upon marriage, it's why it's so awkward. It's why it doesn't become all that God wanted it to be. But when you both have a heart, which is why it's so incredibly important that if you're going to become one with someone, that you become one with someone that has the same heart and vision and purpose. So Andrea and I started off as two doves in the field already. And so and, and even in that, there still is a challenge. So guys, from my vantage point, I'm an absolute fool not to recognize the gift and call in her life. And it is my desire, it is to help her succeed as well. 
know what her heart is, know what her dream is, to be able to encourage that, to pray for her actively, and for her to see me do it. I keep telling guys that if you want to take spiritual authority of your home, you can, there's this one simple thing that you can do right now. Super easy. I just lay my hand on my wife and just say, Lord, I ask you to bless Andrea. I ask you to bless her and keep her. Make your face shine upon her. I ask you to just pour in. I know what her challenges are. I know what you got going on, Lord. I just ask you to bless her right now. Amen. Two things that happen instantaneously. One, I show her love and concern, which is one of her biggest needs. And two, I have taken spiritual authority by just praying a blessing over her. And guess what, guys? No one listens to, no one listens to a family's prayer more than the dad, the husband. I have got his ear for my wife. So when I pray and say, Lord, bless my wife, he's listening and he's going, David, what else you need? You know what I'm saying? Guys, he's ready to listen because we're designed for it. We're positionally there. So when I begin to pray it, it's a very, very powerful thing. And I wanted to just say this. I know it's a challenge for Andrea to follow me sometimes because she's looking at this big old lug that doesn't understand much about not much. And she's looking at me going, honey, what, I, mean, you, I love you, but you know? And I'm just going, honey, I don't even know how to say this. I, it's instinctive. Because my heart is toward God. I, I'm, I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't feel peace about it. I want to use a real quick example. When Andrew and I first got married, Andrew wanted to go back to school. She actually quit school because we both just wanted to be married. I mean, we were madly in love, and we are just like, you know, through caution to the wind. We got married. I had already finished school, but she hadn't yet. And, of course, that was her choice. I didn't force her, but she just said, no, I want to be a missus, you know, before I get a, an MD or whatever. And anyway, a BA. And so... Anyway, so we were married a couple, three, four years, and Andrew said, I want to go back to school. And I said, okay, I want that for you. And what we, but we again ran into was it was going to take us into heavy debt. And I said, honey, I, I just don't want to do that. I just don't think that's good for us. I think we got to figure out a way for you to go back to school and God pay for it. And I remember Andrew, I mean, I remember sitting out on that step, and, and, and I knew I was pouring a bucket of cold water on this little girl's dreams. And I knew that I could capitulate. I knew I could, I could fold under that or I could feel threatened by her challenge. And she did. I mean, in a loving way, she was just like, you know, she pushed against that as, as I, anybody would. And I just said, honey, and I had to kind of stiffen my back up and I had to throw the God card. I said, I don't feel like this is God. Now, Andrea, being one who feared God, said, okay, well, you threw the God card, man. So we have got to shut this thing down. And I said, you know what? Let's pray. So we prayed. We said, God, you can do this. And my heart began to grow. And I actually began to even challenge my own conviction. And just because I was like, no, man, I, I really want to see her do this. Right, because I was going to say, you weren't against me going to school No, no, at no, all. not at all. I wanted you to. And yet, I, but inside me, I was like, but if we put ourselves into debt, that's going to put us way back in, in, in our financial goals. And so I was just like, there's got to be a better way. So we prayed. And it wasn't 24 hours, folks. That God, because this, this, this girl is such a talented musician, she was able to walk into Methodist College, and there were two things that, that paid for the whole deal. One, that she was a dependent of a minister. Who would ever guess that she would even think that way? Because usually dependents are children. Right. But in this case, I was dependent as a wife of a minister. And God put that on your heart. You sparked it. We were sitting on the, on the porch, and you said, wait a minute. There's a dependent. I wonder if that works for wives. You called me and said, well, oh, yes, it does. 50% gone. 
I'm going, man, honey, we're working in the right direction now. And then... And, and he wasn't even a Methodist minister. <laughs> right. He's just a non-denomin- yeah. you know, yeah. in a non-denominational... Yeah. I mean, for all they knew, I was, you know, I'd gotten out of my, my credentials off the back of a cereal box. But hey, I was taking it. But anyway, so then as a musician, you were able to accompany uh, a troupe. What was it? Well, yeah. actually, I, I got, well, I got a scholarship, okay, that's right. music got, scholarship, well, several. but there was another opportunity in that whole thing where I could have played for a quartet and, I, and get a scholarship, get scholarship money for playing for a quartet, but it was a quartet, uh, it was a male quartet, <clears throat> and so, so I would have practiced with them for hours and gone, you know, touring as you do. Traveling. And so I brought that to Dave and I'm like, well, there's a scholarship opportunity. For a quartet? Oh, cool. It, it's all male quartet. Oh. I said, no. So, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I, I see that. That would not be a good idea. That, that just wouldn't be good for our So here I can squash the dream. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, before it was all said and done, God released creativity because that, when you submit to God, creativity goes. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, she went the rest of, what, three more years of college, no debt, none. And God supplied every dime of it. And she was, when she did her junior recital, they still talk about it today. I'm serious. I mean, so God opened those doors. God supplied. But look what door it came through. It came through Andrea having to understand authority and my protection. And not just protection, but direction. Because that's what authority is for, by the way. Protection, direction, and discipline. Now, I'm not into that, and I, I don't do that part in marriage at all. That's up to God. Because I, if I feel like there's discipline that needs to be sown in a situation as a, my children, then I've got to step into it. But if I feel like Andrea's struggling with some things, then i just got to take her to God and just say, Father, you're her authority more than me. So, Lord, just bless her, speak to her, show her the way. What is so amazing is that what you, what you can do in your marriage is make your, your spouse's dream your own. And you push them toward that. Versa. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah. And that's right. So David's, you know, called a ministry. I have not pushed him, but I've been wind in his sails. I've prayed for him. I've, I've desired even, even this move here because we knew God had more for us. And I prayed for two years on my, running my little route that God would open the door for him to come into that next, you know, part of his journey. But as I have done that for him, he has every dream that I have had, every dream, graduating from college, um, being able to record music, having five children. I mean, David has been a part of that. He has, he has wanted to see that happen for me. And it's, it's just so powerful when you, you come together because that destiny, I mean, we each have dreams, but then God brings them together. And then it's, it's just, it's amazing. What I found, guys, was when I made Andrea's dreams my first priority, that released her at a whole nother level of personal support and love and coverage. In other words, she, she did not release to get behind me the way she is today without me showing her that she was va- a value to me, both in prayer and her dreams, and me making it resources, time, energy to make those all my priority, and in many cases, first before my own. And God did some powerful things. So uh, to finish this up, because we're way over time, um, Guys, when it comes to, you have to refuse to abdicate. God has anointed us in this role. No one can bless and cover our wives like we can because of position in God's favor. 
I've got to resist the tendency to lose focus because of interest or time. I will honor God by taking the role he designed for me, knowing I won't do it perfectly, but for the grace of God. None of us do it perfectly. But there's plenty of tra training. There's plenty of mentoring for both sides of this, which we provide here at Valley. So look, I know, I mean, I, I knew I was in fear and trembling coming into this series, knowing this is going to step on a lot of toes. It's going to stir up a lot of fluff. It's going to cause people to say, what if? I mean, you know, our, our situations are not perfect. There are a lot of us that are in different situations. You're recovering from a bad marriage, or you're, you're not sure about marriage altogether. Believe me, I understand that as a whole, our cultures really, really struggle. But as I shared last week, folks, we can't just throw God's word away for, because of what we see. We have to hold on with a white-knuckle fist to what we know is true and move toward it. And watch God come and do incredible miracles. Incredible miracles. Because he knows our heart. It's an impossibility. But God can do amazing things. Ladies, if you feel like you've got a husband that doesn't understand spiritual authority, well, why don't you get behind him rather than continue to knock him down and saying you'll never be. Guys, you can't abdicate your role just because you feel like you've got a feisty red-haired wife. There's a way of doing this. There is a way of changing their heart. There's a way when you understand and you respect and love one another that you become a team and you understand how this whole thing works. God will do it. Amen?